From the EVKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to The Angry and Negative Show with your hosts, Angry Jim and Negative Dan. Okay, everybody, it is the fucking Angry and Negative Show here uh, Thursday, January 16th, 2020. We just got done watching the Flyers-Canadians game, which was a fucking train wreck. (sighs) I'm angry. It's cold. It's 61.4 degrees in this studio. If we have one technical difficulty, I'm cracking open this bottle of rum and going the fuck to town. Anthony's peeing on my fucking show. It's a goddamn train wreck we just started. (sighs) Jim's here. Topher John's here. Anthony DeMarco's here. Boys, what the hell's going on tonight? I think this show's going according to plan, actually. It couldn't have started off any better. I mean, we're we're par for the course for Angry and Negative, that's for sure. (laughs) Certainly on brand. Yes. We can blame the Flyers. I mean, they, they, um, yeah, we were just talking on Twitter. I mean, Harry Price looked good, I thought, but I thought the Flyers could have looked a little bit better, no? Yeah, they, they definitely could. Well, Farabee looked fine, but the rest of the team looked like garbage. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it wasn't their best outing. Like, the first period was pretty much a dog shit. But I, I found that they they didn't play an awful game. I found their power play actually looked really good tonight. I found that Price just fucking stonewalled them quite a few times. Like, it definitely wasn't their best outing. And I guess they probably didn't play well enough to quote-unquote win. But the way that game went, it 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 felt almost as though, like, no matter what they did, Price was not like anything in the net. Carey Price, 40 saves on 41 shots. Alex Lyon, 36 shaves on 40 shots. So Man, he shaved a lot today. He shaved a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drunk uh, yet, I swear. I will never let that get away when somebody does that. But um, did it feel like they had 41 shots on Carey Price to you guys? Or, it feels or like they it... had about 15. Like, like and then I know Carey Price is Carey Price, but... I felt like he had a relatively easy night. I mean, because I, I, he makes everything look easy, but... Late in the first period, they had some good chances. But other than that, I did not feel like they were putting nearly enough pressure on him uh, throughout most of the evening. But somehow they had 40 shots on goal. They, 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 like, they were creating chance. I think they had close to 20 in the second. They ended up getting a couple power plays towards the end of the period and some more in the third. I guess that's when they put most of them on them, but... And they came out in the first. It was kind of like, okay, two teams trying to find their legs. Played the night before. Uh, Flyers coming off a physical uh, overtime win against the Blues. Uh, you know, they score a goal. I think it was late in the first, or was it midway through the first? I can't remember already. Uh, but Late, midway point. I don't know what the time yeah. is here. But... I mean, 15 seconds later, Montreal comes right down and gets it back. I mean, you, you want to talk about like... 1847 like early... in the first. So that was pretty late. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, you're a tired team coming off of a game like last night. You get Montreal a goal. Montreal did too. Yeah, I know. But you get a goal like that, and you're like, all right, cool. Montreal comes right back down and puts one back in. It's like you, you got to restart. <clears throat> and then the second that, you know, if the Flyers are going to win this game, it was going to be in the second period, I thought, because they looked like the better team for the majority of that second period. Uh, it didn't look like Montreal was going to score another goal. 
and boom, they get two two quick ones in in the uh, beginning of the second, right? Yeah, it was pretty, yep. pretty early on, and after that, it was pretty much game over. Carey Price might as well have napped after that, that uh, third goal. <laughs> yeah, Colts. you know what? Kovalchuk's Chucks was 208. Uh, our Terry Lurkinen was uh, 219. Well, second, so. I completely forgot that the Canadians scored in that period. That's how fair <laughs> they scored. Yeah, so scratch what I just said there, yeah. So they dominated after they gave up two goals. Yeah, it's pretty <sighs> on brand. What? It's on brand for the Flyers to go down by multiple goals and then try and come back. Yeah. Like to a garbage team, fucking mind idiots. Not, you know, This wasn't like, if it was against the Blues... I'm like, all right, whatever, this happens. Yeah, if it was Montreal last night and the Blues tonight, that's one thing, but it's not. They come out and just get their asses kicked by Montreal. Let yeah. me ask you something, well, because... Go ahead, Ant. No, yeah, I was just going to say, these. this is one of those games, and, you know, Jim, you've touched on it quite a few times over the last, like, week or so, if not longer, but this is one of those games where, like, you needed a Giroux to just fucking step up and, you know, lead a team that was clearly dogging it, clearly tired. They were still generating chances, but not of, like, a high danger and high quality kind. But, like, Giroux is just such, like, just another guy right now. And these are the games where it's so evident that the Flyers lack star power. Yeah, I mean, you're facing uh, – I mean, they have they have Max Domi on, on the Canadians, you know what I mean? But if you look over the other side – Shea Weber, Max Domi, Carey Price, and who else? You know, who else stands out that really scares you on the Canadians? I mean, 36-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk scored twice on you tonight. And I know Alex Lyons in goal, but, I mean, he scored a pretty premium scoring chances, if I can remember correctly. Uh, I mean, you got you got Claude Giroux. You got Jake Voracek, Kevin Hayes, uh, Ivan Provorov. Sean Couturier, like, come on, you, you can only get one goal tonight. And I know they ran into Carey Price, maybe the league's best goaltender, so I, I get it, but you can't give up four to the Canadians. You just can't. You can't give them up. As much as I don't like Alex Lyon, this wasn't really on him. I believe he no. probably wants one or two of those back, but this was a, a defensive fucking disaster, which is just becoming common with these uh, this team lately. And uh, no... Hustle, no urgency from the offense to uh, put pucks in the net on the opposite side. And that's just what we saw tonight. And unfortunately, it's been commonplace this season. You know, Voracek had a great game, a lot of shots. The only problem is he's forgotten how to shoot in his pass-first mentality, so it never hit the net. There was. He, he, did you hear the quote he gave after the St. Louis game last night <laughs> where he was like, I chose to shoot for the first time tonight. And it's like, this motherfucker knows. <laughs> that he could be better, that he can do it, and he just chooses not to. I was so angry when I heard that quote, because that means he voluntarily knows he's passing the puck and dropping it to fucking nobody rather than just taking a shot. Oh, I was so angry when I saw that quote. He just needs to... The, that's why I hate Vorchek so much, because the guy has the talent, he just chooses not to do anything with it. Whereas JVR is fucking completely useless. His entire job right now is to stand in front of the net and let people shoot pucks at his face and hope it ricochets off to Travis Connecting on the power play. Oh, my God. Can we touch on that for a second? Like, literally, he has that one redirect pass to Konechny last night, which was a nice play, not taking away from him, but then people are just ready to disregard the three, four weeks of JVR's back! He's back! <laughs> He's coming back! This is the beginning of a hot streak, Daniel. Heard it all day today. 
And, and like I'm not I'm not trying to because like I've I also get annoyed with people who are ultra negative and go this is the angry and negative. Do you show. know where you are but, right now? <laughs> <laughs> but I know. But like we were just talking about a good friend Frank before who I'm just gonna start calling him Eeyore. Where he's just like, oh, here we go again, everyone. The Flyers are letting us down. And it's just like, fuck, like, can't we just have, like, a happy medium? It seems like it's either, like, they're surging towards the cup or they're the next coming of the Detroit Red Wings. Like, people just can't ever, like, analyze this team rationally. This is Philly, dude. That's classic Philly right there. They beat the Blues, they're going to the cup. They lose to the Canadians. Uh, they should just start Season's tanking. Season's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start playing for a play. Start playing for a draft pick, guys. Well, for what it's worth, they are now on the outside looking in on the playoff hunt. They are tied uh, with 56 points with Carolina and Columbus, who are both ahead of them, and they are one point ahead of Florida, who are hot on their heels. They play LA on Saturday, Pittsburgh on Tuesday, I believe, and then they have their 10 game All Star break. The game against LA is a fucking crucial win now. Because I don't think they're going to be Pittsburgh. Because Pittsburgh will win, even if their team is just ECHL guys at this point. So they need all the points they can get from here on out. they got to stop this bullshit losing to less teams. It, they just can't keep doing it, because it, it is starting to hurt them big time. That, the break's going to be huge for these guys, for this team. So, I mean, if they, they come out against Los Angeles, they get the two points. When's the Pittsburgh game on Monday? Monday, uh, on, Tuesday, something like that. Yeah, okay. I mean... You know, they come out, they do what they got to do against Los Angeles, regroup, and then, you know, they, I mean, they got to play Pitt twice. I mean, you figure, I don't know, maybe they get two points out of the four somehow. Maybe it's two overtime losses. But somehow they got to find a way to get two from Pittsburgh. Their first two games back are a back-to-back against Pittsburgh and Colorado after yeah, a 10-day break. Oh, dude, my God. I'm not going to bitch about this schedule. They're I'm really not, but isn't this – isn't, hasn't their schedule just been... This is the most every, bullshit hockey schedule I've ever seen in my whole every life. Every week it's fucking tough, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm not complaining about it, but ever since the first game of the year, it's been, holy shit, holy shit, they got to play this back and back. Like, they've been fucked with that all year long. And then, and then the, the opposite argument is, well, everyone's got to do it. Well, actually, no, because not every team had to fucking play in Europe and then fly 45,000... Fucking... And then... Every other night, oh, back-to-back against the Bruins. And then they got to play uh, the fucking Penguins the night after. Whatever the fuck. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, when this Chicago, team just can't relax. <laughs> when Chicago came back from Europe, I believe they had like a nine-game homestand or something like that. It was some insanely long <laughs> stretch. And the Flyers played one game at home and then immediately went to Western Canada, completely on the opposite side of the world from the Czech Republic. So, Jesus Christ. And they came back and they've had back-to-backs and a horrible... Uh, Western Canada trip, then the West Coast trip, and now they have a 10-day break. They come back and play Pittsburgh. This has been a rough schedule throughout this month. It does kind of calm down in February, but, I mean, at that point, you know, they could be gone and out of it by the time the mid-February rolls around. So, holy fuck. The, the one thing that, like, kind of, like, makes me have a bit of hope is that historically, even under Hackstall, it seemed like the Flyers' best month is always February. I don't know if you guys like feel the same, but like last last year they had a really good run in February before they bottomed out after the trade deadline. The year before that, in 2018, when Giroux fucking exploded for 102 points, they like actually ended February, I think, first in the Metro. Like four years ago, they went on that crazy run in March in Hackstall's first year. So like 
at least this year, they've set themselves up that they're right in the thick of things and they're not so fucking far back behind the eight ball. But at the same time, like, yeah, they've set themselves up to try and rectify and get a playoff spot secured. But at the same time, the way that they're playing now just makes you believe, like, fuck, like, this is just the same team with the same kind of culture, but just slightly improved because of better supporting cast and better coaches. You know what? The Flyers are very lucky that the bye week is coming up now because if they were playing those games, you could say a decent, probably third of them, conservatively speaking, would be played by Lyon. And oh, he would probably <laughs> lose those games. You know, yeah. he's just not an NHL goalie. So we caught a bit of a break there. And Justin Braun's going to be back after the break. He could be back on Saturday, I believe. So maybe things will turn around once they can stabilize their lineup. This break comes at a good time for myself because I need a fucking vacation from this team for a week. <laughs> yeah, well, like, uh, it, it's tough, man, because, like, I, I think this team is a lot better than years past. They are. And I think, yeah, and I think that where they are in the standings show that. And, like, like the fact that they're getting back Braun and all that is going to put them in a better position. And, you know what, I fully expect them to make the playoffs again. But games like this lets me down because, like I said before, like the stars or quote unquote stars are just no shows on like every single night and or more nights than most where it's just like, okay, so the good coaching staffs and the strong system and the decent depth players and the good vets are going to get you to the playoffs. But then when you get to the playoffs, and you play a team like Tampa or Boston or Pittsburgh, God forbid, and Giroux and JVR are just ghosts more nights than not, and Voracek is playing solid, but like we're doing yippee Kayes if he scores a goal every set, like two weeks, <laughs> you know they're going to get their shit kicked in. It's going to be the same damn thing. What are the odds the Flyers play Pittsburgh in the first round right now? Pretty slim? Ah, uh, man, I don't even want to think about that. I mean, I, I guess they could well, catch the Caps. They have a six, uh, Caps have a six-point lead on Pittsburgh right now for first place, but there's still plenty of hockey left. So it's not looking likely, but Pittsburgh uh, Capitals would finish first, so that would be the second wildcard spot for the Flyers. So, yeah, you know, anything's possible, I guess. I almost and rather I play the you... Caps. Oh, I would yeah, absolutely but... rather play the Caps than the Penguins <laughs> in a heartbeat. And I don't know if you guys got the same feeling, but, like, in Fletcher's press conference on, it was Tuesday, right? Yeah. Tuesday? Like, it seemed like when people were, were, when they were asking him about, like, adding at the deadline or what have you, he, like, the way he was answering, like, he was, he was almost acknowledging just, like, yeah, this team isn't even close to that point yet. It, yeah, that's kind of, I'm sorry, Dan, go ahead, man. It, it was like, yeah, I mean, they were very generic answers, as I expected them to be. But you did kind of get the feeling where he was like, he acknowledged that they were in a tough situation cap-wise. He acknowledged that there's not a lot of talent. He acknowledged that the Flyers, this probably isn't their year anyway, so there's no real point in going for it. So that's kind of how I got uh, out of that feeling. So, yeah, I don't think we see may, – uh, maybe an addition or two, but, again, the cap space is going to be tough. Uh, they have more than enough assets to get just about any deal done they want, but uh, I don't know what the real odds are of them making any legitimate moves at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, when we spoke at the beginning of the season, we talked about how this is going to be a transition year. You know, it's not you know, it's not like a, a rebuild year. It's a transition. We've got what we need. We just need to get used to the new system. We need to get the rookies some experience. And then crazy shit started happening. They played really well. 
Uh, so we, we started forgetting that it's a transition season. Then Nolan Patrick never came back. Then Oscar Limbaum got cancer. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ghost is hurt, which it, it, that's a problem because now we have rookies who weren't really used to the NHL playing, which is somewhat worse. Braun got hurt. Uh, JVR still hasn't figured out how to produce. So we, we kind of got tricked in thinking, well, maybe it's not a transition year. And then all this crazy stuff happened, and yeah, it basically is a transition year. You know, call, you know, call it a mulligan, try it again in the offseason, try it again, you know, next year, see what happens. Call it a mulligan? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me – so, like, for me, it was like, you know, you, they were never going to win the Cup this year. And then uh, I'll touch on what, um, you know, what I got from Fletcher. But for me, like, it was like, okay, let's, let's see how far they can go with what they got because, uh, like – I was okay with the off-season moves. I liked that they brought in Braun. I liked that they brought in Niskanen. Uh, I, I was okay with Hayes. I wasn't overly excited, but once I saw him play, I'm like, all right, cool. This guy's a player. Like he's going to help the team, uh, you know, and more than just scoring goals, points-wise, things like that. Um, I got a, I got a little bit excited for the Flyers, and I'm like, all right, you know, they can make the playoffs, and if they can get a a good matchup in the first round, maybe they win a, a, a round, and that'll be good for some of the younger guys, and you know, good for even guys like Kevin Hayes and Sean Couturier, things like that. Because I don't think they've ever won a playoff series with the Flyers. Sean uh, guys like Sean Couturier, as long as he's been around. Wait, I'm sorry, he has right. Twenty twelve, right? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, he's been around for that long. Yeah. But that was was that the last one they won? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the so last I mean, and only one Sean Couturier was a part of. Yeah. Dude, so that's a long time ago now. So uh, for them to get into the playoffs and and win a round, I think would be really good for um you know the experience on this team for for a guy like Carter Hart, obviously. Um, from for Chuck Flet- as far as Chuck Fletcher's conference, Dan, I got the kind of the same vibe as you. Like he knows that this isn't the year. He's not going to do anything insane to you know make some stupid uh you know maybe win a round. If they can't win a round with this roster, uh you know so be it. Uh, he knows that the cap is, you know, that they're up against the cap, that they're going to have to get a little creative if they want to get something done. And I, I kind of had the idea, you know, if something floats along that, that fits and he can make work, then he's going to do it. If not, he's not going to go crazy trying to, you know, uh, fit a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, I think the changes are coming this summer. Uh, yeah. their, their hands are tied more or less at the deadline. And, you know, it's bringing in somebody like Tyler Toffoli, the difference between winning or losing at this point. I don't know. Probably not. So I, I don't think it's really worth it. I think uh, given the market is relatively slim and the choices aren't there, you know, guys like Tyler Toffoli are probably going to go for the bundle versus, you know, a, a reasonable price. So I think this summer is more where we're going to see some changes. And like I've been saying for a couple of weeks, no matter what happens this season, whether they miss the playoffs or, or whether they make it all the way to the cup final, you know, they need to seriously reconsider their core and reconsider the direction of this team and you know, re- assess what they have here because it's just, it's just apparent at this point that none of the prospects are coming to save the day and, and put the team on their back. You know, they may be good in some time, but this, they're, they're, they're not game changers and the current core here is just as rotten as can be and they need to need a shakeup. So I would assume big things happen for Chuck Fletcher this summer, but I don't think any of that is really going to happen at the deadline. Yeah, if the best you can hope for is a win in the first round. You're not going to do the roster gymnastics needed to get right. someone good enough to make that happen. You're going to wait until you have a chance of getting to the to the uh, conference finals or the Stanley Cup before you start blowing prospects. Or you start nuking the core. Yep. 
Well, Jim said it earlier this week, and it's perfect. When I watch the Flyers now, I don't say, oh, that's Voracek and Giroux's team. It's Konechny's, it's Couturier's, it's Hayes. And Dan, like you said, like even piggybacking off of like what Fletcher said at this press conference and just the vibe I got from him where like I feel like his mind's already made up, to be honest. Like I feel like he gave this core a kick at the can with a solid vet presence on the back end, a, a boost up front down the middle with Kevin Hayes, a good coaching staff, you have probably the best goaltending tandem in quite some time, and that's saying all with all that added has gotten marginally better in the standings. And, you know, Giroux's not getting any younger, and he's regressing hard this year. Like, he's on pace, I think, to finish with less than 55 points, which would be, like, his lowest point total since, like, 2009-2010, so in 10 years. And then you get JVR, who's on pace for, like, 40 points. And, like, Voracek's, like, going to hit, like, his typical mid-60s. But, like, it's not going to get better. Like, these guys are getting older. And I just think that either way, no matter what they do at this point, unless they win the Cup, which is not going to happen, I just – I really think this is going to be a mega shake-up summer for the Flyers. Yeah, 100% agree. I'd be okay with that. Um you know, part of me almost hopes that Giroux is hurt because if if he is regressing and he's regressing this and and I, and and guys want to bring up like, oh, he had scoring opportunities this night and that night. I'm like, yeah, for sure. But you know, you don't win games because of having the chance to score. You win games for putting the fucking puck in the net. Ah! I beg <laughs> to differ. Expected goals for is the way and to go, Jim. That's what matters now is how many theoretical goals you score. Fuck real goals. There was a, a play tonight where... If my heat he map just, doesn't tell me they won, then they didn't win. He, there was a play tonight that sticks out of my mind where he, where it actually stuck out to me where I'm like, holy shit, maybe he actually is losing a step or he could be hurt because he flat out got beat on a race to a puck tonight. I, I don't yeah, know who beat I've him no, out. I've but, noticed that a couple times this year when it's yeah. kind of like, what was that? You know, Giroud typically doesn't do that, uh, make those kind of mistakes or get beat like that. And I've noticed it a couple times and it... it is uh, it's worrisome. I, I don't know if he's injured. I don't know if he's regressing. But if he's regressing and this gets hardcore bad in the next couple of years, like I don't know, man. They uh, he can be there for moral support, like Chris Stewart. But the, it's clear that as a player, they may not be able to uh, expect the caliber of play that they're used to out of him. Yeah, and he's like jumping. He's sprawling for pucks like almost every play. Don't you find like he dives and tries to like whack the puck to stay keep it in. Yeah. Like he's like and, he doesn't have the same step to be be in the right spot. Yeah, and that's fine. And then you know, like we like people are just so caught up on the power play. And you know, I'm not even saying I like it, except actually this new formation that they have. I think is probably my favorite look they've had all season. But like people like think that they broke up this fucking lethal power <laughs> play unit that was firing on all cylinders. I'm just like, they fucking finished 22nd last year. Yeah. Like, why is everyone so up in arms? And, like, I remember watching the power play last year and even in prior years. And I know some years that they would, like, finish in the top 10, maybe, like, two or three years ago. But I would watch them and be like, Jesus fucking Christ, these guys are using the same damn formation that Laviolette inserted in 2011. <laughs> When yeah. it was Giroud, Giroud and Voracek on each half wall, and all they would do was try and sauce it to each other through the middle of the ice. 
That's all they would do, especially when fucking Tiemann left. Because at least when Tiemann was there, he could really, like, organize shit, and Stripe was pretty good at it. But, like, for fuck's sakes, like, you can't just go back to the well on something that's been going on for eight years. Like, they knew it was coming, and, like, people could say, like, oh, yeah, but people knew Noel Vetchkin's blasting shots away or Stamkos blasting shots away. Okay, yeah, but Giroud isn't Stamkos or Ovechkin. He never <laughs> will be. Like, for fuck's sakes, like, like it's just, it pisses me off that, like, okay, you don't like the formation. Me neither. It's not the best. But, like, they weren't this fucking, they weren't the Soviet Union Red Army team last season. <laughs> did did, did, did it, you know that uh, Alex Ovechkin, according to stats, he's bad defensively? Oh, my, oh my God. I literally <laughs> wanted to jump through the fucking internet and kick his ass, man. <laughs> Like, and the thing with Ovechkin is, yeah, he he scores from cranking them, you know, from from the point like that on occasion. But people forget, for every three goals he scores, he takes like four hundred shots. Yeah, well, like the, the whole fucking thing about Ovechkin being bad defensively, it's just like, <laughs> and what the fuck's your point? Like, you think you just cracked the case of fucking climate change, man? Yeah, it's fucking well documented. But who the fuck gives a shit about defense? Like, everyone's, <laughs> in this analytic era, everyone is so concerned about, like, moral victories and how yep. often you carry the fucking puck and, like, like if you, on that stupid blue chart, like, there's more blue than there is red. And, like, no one cares about goals. Like, that fucking guy, Appleyard, like, dude, I've been nice about him on every podcast, but now I'm on the angry and negative show, so I have the green light to tear him to shred. <laughs> that guy is such a fucking idiot. Like, I've never seen it in my life. Like, all he does is just like, yeah, but Giroud, or no, he actually starts every single tweet with, I mean, I mean, Giroud is getting chances. They're just not going in. I mean, Voracek is gaining the zone. Therefore, he's falls in line with top line players across the league. Bullshit. Untrue. Fake news. You're spreading fake news. Advanced analytics has one purpose, and that's to convince expansion teams to take your shitty players. That's actually solid. <laughs> Pretty bang on. I have all this like, alcohol up here, and I don't have any shot glasses. God damn it. Just drink it out of the bottle, pussy. I, my, okay, fine, Jim. You want another <laughs> Christmas show happening here? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to hear you don't have a shot glass as an excuse not to oh. drink, so. All right, well, Jim, did, didn't Appleyard come at you when you brought up the Giroux thing? Wasn't it him that he was talking about how many chances he's generating? He's actually ge generating more than he did last actually, year. Yeah, that was Alex. Yeah, I couldn't think who it was. Yeah, I don't know if he was. I felt like he was just bringing it up, you know, just making it known. But I was like, uh, yeah, but they're not going in the net. Like Jim you could have chances all year long, but you got to got to put them in. Jim and Alex are besties because he was on his show once, so he's not yeah. saying anything bad about him. <laughs> no, I do, I do kind of like Alex. Yeah, he's. I no, he's like, yeah, you know what? He is a super nice guy, and that's why I've reserved judgment for a long time. But like, the problem I have with Alex is that I am thoroughly convinced that he just has the game on in the background and is just tracking online stats as they're live uploaded. I think that's what most people do these days. Based on yeah. hot takes I see on a daily basis, I'm convinced most people don't actually watch the game anymore. And if you can, like, you can attest maybe analytics a bit, like, when there's a slight drop-off, like, okay, Giroud scored 102 points in 2018, and last year, I think he scored 85. 
like, okay, like there, maybe you could say, yeah, he's not converting on some chances or line mates or this or that. But like, he's on pace to score like 35 less points this year. That's not just line mates and conversion. There's definitely something. There's got to be something up with Giroux. He, he's got one goal uh, in 2020. <laughs> Since t- January 2nd, he's only scored one time. Um, but how many theoretical scored, goals does he have? He's only scored twice since December seventeenth, and I know he's never the the biggest goal scorer. But I mean, you know, he, he's got to score more than that. No, he's got to he's got to be putting up. You know, he's got to be setting guys up at the very least. And somebody who brought up that JVR thing because it seems like JVR's new thing is to kind of stand off to the side of the goal and redirect pucks to the other side of it. Yeah, right. He's, I guess he's not the, supposed to. The way the power play is set up now. Yeah. Maybe I mean. Hit I JVR guess, uh, at the puck and hope to hell it redirects yeah, to Konechny. Hope it bounces it the other way. You know. yeah. Hope so, it doesn't give him a concussion and t- take him out for a month. Oh, I begged it. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be for Capwise. <laughs> Who are you going to replace Place him with? Chris Stewart! <laughs> He's with the Phantoms now! Oh, God. That hey, whole fucking quick, charade yesterday when the, the cap space to the circus that went on to get Lion up here. Oh, they send Fairway down. It was a fucking meltdown. Oh, Chris Stewart's on the way. It was a fucking meltdown. All these fucking analytic people with the holier-than-thou attitudes had no idea how waivers worked. Well, why can't we send Stewart down? Because he wouldn't clear in time for the game, you shitheads. God, that was fantastic. <laughs> hey, look what sending Fairby down did for him. He scored today. Yeah, noted enforcer Joel Fairby <laughs> scored a goal and then did not defend Robert Haig from getting his shit kicked in by Jasperi Kotkaniemi. <laughs> I mean, he won that fight. He did, he did nothing, and he ended up on top. Oh, my God. He did not win that fight. He got his ass kicked. Hey, he was still Wait, standing. He was on the ground. He was eating knuckle sandwiches. <laughs> his helmet was eating the knuckle sandwiches. Oh, yeah, his head's in his helmet. <laughs> did he finish the game? I don't know, actually. I think he did. Yeah, he did. Um, Speaking of of that kind of stuff real quick, because I know everybody likes – I like Connect, and everybody likes that he he chirps and talks and this and that. Not the biggest guy on the ice. Uh, If they are – let's say they do make the playoffs and they finish as, you know, an eight seed or a seven seed, and they they play a team like, let's say, the Capitals, who have a Tom Wilson running around. Travis Connect ain't going to be yapping for a seven-game series. And, and, And you brought this up. I think it was yesterday or the day before on Twitter, if they into a guy like Kyle, I mean, we're talking about maybe a depth move at the deadline. I mean, if they're looking towards the playoffs, if they get stuck with a team like Washington, I mean, they're going to need somebody to, to take care of, to take Wilson off the ice. I mean, because Travis Konechny ain't going to be fighting anybody. And you can, you can bet that they're going to be sending Tom Wilson after him for sure. Yeah, no, I bring up Kyle Clifford because the more this season plays out, I think, like, and based off what Fletcher said, is that they're not going to go big game hunting for a Toffoli or a Pajot or whatever. But if you're still in the thick of things, like, just go get a Kyle Clifford because, like you just said, like, people want to pretend that toughness isn't part of it and physicality isn't part of hockey, but it is. And I much rather have a Kyle Clifford on the fourth line than a Joel Therabee right now. And I'm I know everyone's going to probably fucking get out their pitchforks and try and come and kill me up here in Canada for saying that. But having a guy like Clifford who can answer the bell and he can play a regular shift, like Clifford can move. He's not a, like, he's not a liability out there. 
And like, you know, you see the you see the Flyers arena tonight. You see the Wells Fargo Center. Like it's empty, man. Yeah. I like obviously like I live in Montreal, but like I remember when I was in high school from like 2007 to like 2012, like dude, that arena was packed every single game. Yeah. And like part of the reason why it was packed is all those teams had like an Aaron Asham, a Dan Carcillo, Jason Smith, Scott Hartnell, like all these guys who could come out there and at least put on a show. Like I know that fighting isn't really part of it anymore, but like someone laid the body tonight. There was a big hit. I can't put my finger Robert on Hague. it. Like the, yeah, Robert Hay. And like the crowd erupted. So like at least if you could like inject a Kyle Clifford into this lineup, who's going to go out there, intimidate the other team, like bang some bodies, lay some big hits, answer the bell like a Tom against a Tom Wilson, like you brought up, Jim. Just a move like that could go a long way in at least just like trying to at least bring some entertainment back to the fans. Yeah, I agree. And and like Philly's kind of funny, man. I'm not I'm not calling like Philly people like dumb or anything like that, but like I know I know around me, like for example, soccer, right? Not that popular around here. Not that popular in the states. It's, just, it's not really physical. It's a boring game to watch, or maybe you'll get two or three goals. Hockey's essentially turning into soccer on ice. Like yep. there's no physicality anymore. It's if if you're not a real fan of the game, it's fucking boring to watch. It's really fucking boring. If your team doesn't have any superstars on it, which the Flyers kind of don't. I mean, Claude Giroux's been here forever. Like I don't know if I don't know if he's I don't know if I would call him a superstar, especially right now. Absolutely they're, not. They're kind of fucking boring to watch unless you know who's on this team. And how the game has changed and how it's being played now. Unless you understand those things. If you're new and you're watching a hockey game, it's fucking boring. Hell, I was bored tonight watching this game. Yeah. It was uh, lifeless. Yeah. Today a few was times brutal. there was like, oh my god, this period's still going on. It's just fucking dragging. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree on the Giroux part. I mean, I caught a lot of crap last year when I said, you know what? I'd rather the Flyers send no one to the All-Star game than Giroux. Because he's, he's not doing anything. I mean, he'll put the puck in the net a couple times. But... He's supposed to be the team's leader, and the team's in the dump. So why should he be sent to the All-Star game? An All-Star elevates the rest of the players on the team, whether he's on their line or not. See, yeah, you know what would have been interesting to me? I'm sorry, uh, real quick. And you know, if, if he would have actually made the All-Star team, I would have been really interested to see if he would have played. Because if he didn't play, he'd be like, okay, well, he actually he must be hurting then, Right. So now I almost kind of hope that he would have made it just to see because if he if if he's not losing a step he has to be hurt because he looks bad. He's uh, got to be hurt. The way he's playing, he's like holding back like he's in pain or something. It'll come out in June that he's, you know, playing with one arm or something and it, it'll be like, "Well, you should have taken some fucking time off there, bud, to get healed up." Is this the only franchise that just plays with injured players consistently? Like, the Penguins lose half their roster, and they're still going, and the Flyers just play with everybody, and they're injured. They've been doing that for years. Why don't these fucking idiots just take 10 games off and come back at full strength rather than play a full 82-game schedule at 50%? God, that's a fucking... One of those uh, pet peeves of mine as a fan. Yeah, when um, Simmons was playing in the Penguins series two years ago, he looked dead on the ice. Like, why are you even bothering to be out there? The only one that that was spared did it a couple years back. Giroud did it a couple years back. Like, dude, Coots did it two years ago, but he scored five points in that game. So I'll (laughs) I'll give him a pass. (laughs) 
It could, yeah, it could like, be that... Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you again. Go no, no, go for it, man. No, I was going to say, I mean, if Giroud is hurt, this could be him trying to lead by example, you know? Like, oh, if, if the captain's hurting, like, we all don't have an excuse because he's still busting his ass. But he, he just doesn't look the same. And we're speculating because, you know, if he's not hurt, then he just flat out sucks right now. Yeah, well... Like, another thing, and kind of move on to Voracek, but it kind of ties in with Giroud, is that, like, people want... It's so weird. Like, they'll... People talk out both sides of their mouths because in one more breath, they'll be like, no, this team sucks, this and that, but then they'll defend the top guys. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> yes. today... Like, like, dude, like, today people were ready to fucking throw a parade for Jakob Voracek because he scored the OT goal last night. Like, they, these guys are like fucking elephants. Like, they have such short-term memory. It's insane. And, like, they're just like, oh, my God. Like, this guy's insane. He's doing it. Like, he's doing what he's done his whole career. Like, he's – I saw one guy say he's earned every penny. And I'm just, <laughs> oh, my God. Hold yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was just like, do you realize – like what wingers get paid north of eight million dollars? Like there's not many. And you I'll, want me to I'll, look it up? <sighs> no, I know a few off my head. And aside from Jamie Ben, who is kind of like Giroux right now, that he's floundering and his contract is kind of bad. But you have Kucherov, Panarin, Marner, Ovechkin. Uh, I'm missing one right now. If you want to throw Drysital in that mix, but he's kind of a center, but he bounces around. But all those guys I just mentioned, Patrick Kane, does Voracek even sniff those guys' jock straps? Well, I mean, the thing you're forgetting is that Jamie Ben is a uh, horseshit, and now that's <laughs> part of the problem with him. Yeah, but I mean, like Jamie Ben, at least at one time was a legit superstar. So when he got that contract, it made sense. Voracek got that contract from Hextall because the team had no one else. Let's see. Oh yeah, for sure. This is like, Voracek, though. Like, you know, I was trashing him for maybe a quarter of the season. And then he was kind of like slowly, I don't even want to say turning it around, but you weren't noticing him as much. And then he had a really good game against St. Louis. And that's when he really stuck out to me as, okay, cool. He, he played pretty well. But this is Voracek, where he'll show up yeah. for a couple weeks. Yep. And then he'll go away. And, and what I'm doing now is I'm waiting for him to go away. See, like, everybody loves him right now because they think that this is going to be him for the rest of the season. And I, I wish, because this is where my frustration comes with Jake Voracek, I wish, because we're seeing how good he could be if he was fucking consistent, but he's going to drop off. Maybe, maybe they come back after the break and you don't see him for a couple weeks. I fully expect that to happen. Ten wingers in the league make more than Voracek. Panarin, Ovechkin, Ben, Skinner, Giroux, Marner, Kane, Kucherov, and Stone. And Mika Rotten's up there as well. Voracek wow. is six. At, uh, they all fucking destroy him. He's tied with Blake Wheeler, and then Phil Kessel's making eight. So, is that 13 players together? Wingers are making eight-plus million dollars, Voracek being one of them, and he doesn't even come close to any of those other names. But but you know what? The three people that he hasn't blocked on Twitter so far uh, probably <laughs> praised him like crazy for uh, actually shooting the puck. So he might do it more often now. <laughs> Did he have a shot tonight? I actually really didn't see him out there at all. He, he had see. a ton of shots. I don't know how many actually connected with the net, 
but I was constantly seeing him rip shots, just not going <laughs> into the net. Three shots on goal tonight for Jake Voracek. Triple what he did last night. Look at that. Wow. He's growing. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jim, well, how Jim put Voracek was perfect because, like, we kind of expect more, and I'm guilty of this too, that I a lot of my ex- expectations tie in with what you make because if you're making $8 million, but you should be making six, you're taking away from, like, a decent third-line guy. But it is true that, you know, Voracek got a massive payday probably like a million and a half more than he should have way back when, I think it was in 2015 that he got that extension from Hextall that coming off of like one, I think he was coming off of like a 75 point season when in reality he should, he's like an elite level second tier player in this team. Like I kind of like, his role is kind of how I see William Nylander's role in Toronto behind Tavares, Matthews, and Marner. And that's how I see Voracek. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and you know, like, if he was making, let's say, $6.75 million, which, like, I know, like, guys like Apple, you're really like, oh, yeah, but his production and shots generated and expected goals for is right in line with first-line players, like, Dude, come on. Like, Dan just read off the 13 players that he's lumped in with. Like, even Phil Kessel, who's having a down year. Like, Phil Kessel has scored how many 35-plus goal seasons? Like, for God's sakes. Like, even Jamie Benn. Like, yeah, he's dog shit now. But, like... He was a goddamn superstar a couple years ago. Exactly. And, like, I know Voracek, I think, two years ago had, like, over 80 points. And that was great. But even in that year, he was just kind of second fiddle to Giroux and Katori. And I'm not trying to take it away from him, but I guess we do just have to temper our expectations. Like Jim said, and just take him for what he is. And if, and if this is what he is, you're like, okay, well, you know, he's hot right now. He's going to cool down. He'll be a 60, 65 point guy. That's the other that's, thing. Like that's he's really streaky. It. He's streaky as fuck. And that's a big issue with this team overall is they don't have that guy that's producing every single night. You know, JVR comes on for two, three games at a time. He'll put up four goals in three games and then he'll go silent for a month and a half. And Voracek is very much the same where he will rattle off some points. You know, he got, he had like seven assists on the West coast trip. And I was like, how the fuck did he do that? I didn't think they even scored seven times during that road trip. (laughs) But you know, at the same time, those aren't, predominant points like the game uh st louis last night when he scored it's like yeah he did something you know because that means something but he's gonna go back to putting up some quiet points assists here and there uh, just, this whole team is filled with streaky players they really need that killer instinct and they don't really have that and that's not something you can just you know fucking grow on trees so i, I the lack of the superstar uh, anthony and i've been talking about it for weeks now we just brought it up earlier you know the lack of true superstardom on this team is becoming more and more obvious you know this has been a win by committee team and they are spreading the wealth which is great and it's a good way to approach it especially come playoff time because you know teams like Colorado and Edmonton you know if you stump McDavid or or McKinnon in the playoffs they're done you know and the win by committee team is the way to go but at the same time when you just throw a bunch of mediocre guys out there like the Flyers it's just 
it sucks because you get games like tonight where just nobody feels like contributing in a positive way, and then you fucking get beat by Montreal. So I don't know. This is it's so frustrating because the, the foundation is there, but they're just lacking so much, and that's why I don't want to buy into this team. And I hate that people get so positive over this shit when you see JVR and Van Riemsdyk put up a couple points. They're turning it around, Daniel. Bullshit, they are. It's yeah. the same. I mean, the win by committee um, method is great, but. Everyone in the committee has to have 20 goals or more by now. Yeah. And the Flyers yep. used to do that. Yep. Actually, if I could jump in, I was literally, just before you said that, that's a weird coincidence. I was thinking about 2008-09 when they had six guys with 25 goals or more yep. or four guys with 30 goals or more. You know, Richards, Carter, Knubel, Lupul, Carter, Gagne. Briere was actually injured most of that year, but he would have for sure been close to 30. Where, like, in those years, like, you never saw Flyers forward, like, at the top of, like, the NHL scoring leaders. They're, they never had one guy, like, scoring 75-plus points. It was just a bunch of guys with, like, 60 to 70 points. And, like, you would have, like, Carter scoring at will, but, like, it was, it was exactly that, scoring by committee. But here's the difference, is that you didn't have one of those guys making eight-plus million dollars. Like, okay, Briere was at six and a half, but you had a bunch of guys making four, four and a half, five, five and a half, all in that range, everyone pulling their weight. And now you have two guys making north of $8 million who aren't playing like that. You have a guy making $7 million on pace to score 40 points who can't do anything five on five. And the whole power play has to be strategically placed around him. And that that's the problem. You have three guys tying up $23.5 million of your cap aren't pulling their weight and tying up money that could be going to other places of that roster. Somebody bring Mike Knubel back and teach JVR how to play net front. <laughs> Dude, just stand in front of the net. Let me fire pucks at you. Maybe one will bounce off and in. That I was mean, Knubel. The Flyers can use another coach, right? Just bring Knubel in and bring uh, bring Laviolette back in while, while you're at it. He can go punch someone on the bench where <laughs> everyone will see it and be cool with it. And, uh, they we'll might as well just around. set the record for head coaches behind the bench this year. They did goalies last year. Just do coaches this year. Why not? Bring yeah, in, bring in um Jorglant while we're at it. And... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Have we figured out why he got fired yet? I'm still trying to understand that. Because they lost four in a row and their goaltending sucks, so they fired him. That, that's still like <laughs> – you'd think he would have bought a little more time than that with his performance before. Nope. They got rid of him and hired fucking Pete DeBoer of all people. <laughs> yeah, he got – Beat by that man twice in less than a calendar year. Oh god! Hey, didn't he get the shaft like that in Florida too? Like, they, didn't he get screwed in Florida? There was like, they didn't even down there with the the old talent. Didn't even it? drive him back or something. They they made him take an Uber or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they fuck him over real bad or something? Poor guy. Oh, oh my god! I, I, I could actually. This time. Well, Florida was really fucked up because that was the year that they, for some reason, appointed Tom Rowe as the GM. And then within two months, he was just like, actually, I'm taking over every position and appointed himself coach, <laughs> signed like a bunch of bad contracts. And then by the summer, they were just like, OK, we're 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 doing a mulligan on this season, fired row and put Talon back in charge. I remember that, actually. Yeah, what does doing on the fucking a mulligan thing? mean? Do I have to look this up? <laughs> it's a golf term. Look it up, it look like it up in the Urban over. Dictionary. Oh, God. It doesn't count. It, doing, it's in the Urban uh, Dictionary. Mole. If it's in the fucking oh god, 
I'll look it up. We've had enough fun with this Urban Dictionary. There's probably less uh, ideal definitions on Urban Dictionary. (laughs) Don't worry, I got it. A mulligan is a second chance to perform an action, usually after the first chance went wrong through bad luck or blunder. Hmm. No, that's not it. (laughs) Oh, there's there's an Urban Dictionary link. Let's see if there's a... There's mulligan stew and a mulligan wife. Which one do you want? <laughs> You're going to get stew. Oh, God. Right. This one off the rails it's, quick. When It is a golf term. When a golfer shits in his pants and plays an entire round of golf in the hot sun. That's a mulligan stew. How Thanks, often does Jim. that happen? I don't have a name for that. Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't golf, so I can't tell you. Shit. We can ask the Flyers. They spend enough time golfing in June. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. And still, now I have to read Just it. don't ask the real. He might beat us another tree with a golf club and shatter both of his wrists. That's JVR. He can't hit me to save his life. <laughs> well, I like just to go back on the scoring by committee thing. Like, fuck, look at the Blues last year. Yeah, like their high, their highest paid player is O'Reilly at seven and a half. After him, it's Tarasenko at seven. They didn't have one guy over $8 million. They didn't have, like, okay, maybe you could, like, Tarasenko kind of teeters on the brink of being a superstar. But they, all their guys were just middle-of-the-road players or upper-tier guys. But, like, they're all in between 4 and $7.5 million, all pulling their weight. And like Chris said, like, you know, they're all scoring 20, 25 goals. Yeah. I think the problem with this team, and, you know, before I say that, I, I think Elaine Vigneault is the kind of coach that can make a team like the Flyers have, you know, with no superstar, things like that. I think you can make that work with this team. You know, you kind of did it in New York. New York was kind of built from the net out with Lundqvist, and then they had a, you know, the solid six in defense, or or, or they had a, who the fuck's his name? Ryan McDonough and uh, Dan Girardi, and uh, what, what stall is it up there? Mark. Mark. Mark no, not Jordan. Um, you know, and, and then they had, then they had decent uh, offensive players. They had guys like Derek Stepan and, uh, you know, guys like that. I think AV can make it work. And here's the problem because we're talking about streaky players. I mean, the Flyers are inconsistent as fuck, right? It's like they they win it. That classic example: they go out on the West Coast, they lose to four or five shit teams. They come back home, they beat three of the best teams in the fucking NHL. In, the, in a week. And it's like, I'm looking up and down this roster. This guy's hot. This guy's cold. This guy's hot. This guy's cold. This guy. Like, why can't everyone, why can't it just be a steady incline? Why has it got to be up and down, up and down with everybody for? I think they have too many fucking streaky guys on the team. You know? And and I think until they fix that, and, and it comes back to the core. It comes back. I mean, and I don't understand why Giroux can't be criticized. Like, you're the captain. So like you're not you're not just accountable for yourself, you're accountable for the play of everybody else on the team, right? You're kind of like the quarterback of the team. I would I would say, um, I don't know. I always look to the to the leader. Drew's supposed to be the leader. These guys are playing like shit. You got to tell me why. Mulligan, a man who has a mullet and wears a large. I'm definitely a culture thing. And even when they went. (laughs) An old jazzer. Terms for a marijuana cigarette or joint. Don't begart that mulligan, my friend. What is this? Are you still an Urban Dictionary? Yeah. <laughs> Get a, log off. I'm X learning out. things, Jim. <laughs> X out. Fine. I'll go back to Twitter. 
I don't know what's worse. <laughs> That's a good point. Did you guys see that vagina candle thing going around? What? You missed that? There's a there's a vagina scented candle. Uh man, now I can't remember who whose it is. Oh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina scent, I think. I would uh, buy it. Well, the show's not, officially off the fucking rails. If I saw the link for that come float around again, I'd I'd buy the shit out of that. I'd buy a couple. Christmas get... gifts, man. <laughs> I was gonna say if I get that for Christmas next year for you, <laughs> mad as hell. Yeah, man. Oh, God. She's hot. All right, sorry, carry on. All right, I so yeah, I can. it's definitely a culture thing. I mean, even in 2010 when they went to the cup, they played down to bad opponents and they played up to uh, good opponents. This has been going on since Richards was the captain. I love Richards. I'll take care. Yeah, in yeah I wish we kept him. I was thinking about something the other day, guys, and, and you know, if we can go back and let's think about those trades for Richards and Carter, and this has pretty much nothing to do with anything that we're talking about tonight. But, um, you know, guys want to say, and I understand it, I get it, because I, I, I agree to an extent that the Flyers won those trades, the Richards and Carter trades, right? And even, you know, we want to say now, well, the Flyers definitely won the Shen trade, right? Well, if we look, like, Carter's Richards both won a cup. Shen won a cup. Like, yeah, we won, we won the trades, but isn't the ultimate goal... Okay. They won the battles, the- but lost the war. Yeah. Yeah. Don't we want to win goddamn Stanley Cups? Mike like- Richards was on Spitting Chicklets a couple months back, and he said that he believes if they kept that team together, they would have won. And I, I thoroughly believe that. Thoroughly, they would have. Yeah. No, yeah, no shit, dude. He was a fucking. He was a winner, man. Through and through, he was a fucking winner. Like losing Every Pronger hurt, had. but they they could have definitely won even without Pronger if they kept that team together for another year or two. It, I don't know. They, but they, I think if they kept that team together and was able to get Yager to somewhat mature the the guys, like Richards was very immature at that time. Carter was very immature at that time. If he came in, stabilized them, they would have won a cup. It, it just no two ways about it. Yeah. So like, yeah, well, go ahead, Anthony. No, it's just like when I when I look at those trades, like in terms of pure value, like it was hard to get better than what they got. Like all four guys who they got pretty much became like the cor- the cornerstones of the team along with Giroux, but it was like that whole plan was contingent on Chris Pronger, and as soon as he got hurt, which was what a month and a half into the season, yeah, everything like just went out the fucking door, and then you got and but those guys were still good. Like I remember that year when Laviolette got fired and they brought Baruby in. The last year of Paul Holmgren where he was in charge and they lost in game seven to the Rangers. Like that was a good fucking team. Yeah. Like that was a that was a good team. It was like they took their like Mason was on fire at that time. Like Mason was fucking good for like two years here. And Team Nim was still around. And like, okay, the defense wasn't the best. The problem is, is that they had Shen, they had Giroux, they had Simmons, you know, all these guys, Vorchek playing at a high level, Hartnell was still around. It's like when Hextall took over, he just completely cut the legs out from all those guys, yeah. took away all their supporting cast, and then just fucked away, if that's even a term. But <laughs> <laughs> they, they, he fucked away all their best years. Because if you remember, like, 2014-15, which was when they fucking finished, like, almost at the bottom and then they had 15, 16, 16, 17. Like, those three years 
all those guys were still performing well. Actually, I think 15, 16, and 16, 17, Giroux kind of like quiveled there. But you had like Simmons having his best years and Shen and all these guys, and they were still young. And if you gave them the supporting cast as they do now, and Dan has talked this all this time, they could have maybe contended back then. But like Hextall was going one way, but then in the same sense, like the players that he was keeping on this team were going a different way. So I don't think it was so much the the trades that they made for Carter and Richards. It's just that they went in a completely different yeah, direction that's a good point. after. I don't know how to like maybe phrase it properly, but they, like they, they they failed it, to follow. They made those trades, and then the regime changed before they could work themselves out. Couturier was still young at the time. Shen wasn't all the way there yet, you know. And then Hextall comes in and goes, "Well, I'm not going to give a shit about the main roster whatsoever. We're going to focus on drafting for years. Who gives a shit what happens on there? We're going to play Chris Vandevelde for 13 minutes a night, you know." And that's so what you're what saying happened. is is uh, what you're saying is Hextall called a mulligan a couple years in a row. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it it was to, just. I used it was, to love Hextall, man. I fucking hate that guy now. Yeah, yeah. He re- totally yeah. ruined his reputation, as far as I'm concerned. There's, I can't stand the guy. I mean, he did some process. cool things with drafting and all that, but like, I, I still don't give a fuck about any of the players that he drafted. Like, the Flyers sucked for the entire time he was here, and not a single one of them is saving the team, and they're pretty much all here right now. <laughs> the thing is, is that every like. This rebuild was pretty much done after the 2015 draft. More they or less, sucked, yeah. They sucked Dick in 2014-15. He swung those two amazing deals at the deadline with Coburn, where he got the pick for Konechny and Gudis, and he traded team in for two seconds. But like by 2015, you had Provorov drafted, Sanheim drafted, Gossespear drafted, Konechny drafted, Giroux was still young, Voracek was still young, Simmons, Shen, Couturier. Like, why keep going? And then the year after that, you got Hart in the second round. So anything after 2015-16 was just complete and other bullshit. Yeah. It doesn't take that long to, to rebuild a team. You could do it in two years. Especially when he the just team was totally as strong as, as they were. It's not like he neglected the entire fucking roster. It's not like he traded Giroux and Voracek and skinned the team of any talent they have, like the Red Wings or something. You know, it wasn't that bad. There was enough of a core here, enough of a foundation here already that had you added somebody like O'Reilly last year or whatever, they could have been something. And I'm to this day convinced that's why Ron Hextall got fired is because he didn't do anything last summer. He didn't bring you. You fucked up. You fucked up the goaltending. You fucked up. The, uh, uh, you know, O'Reilly and Bozak and Stasny and all these people that you could have brought in. I guess it was two years ago now, not last year, but whenever it was. You know, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, fucking Ron. Man, that went by quick. I remember that off season. Man. Yeah, and you know what? Like, we were so deprived that I remember being excited when JVR came back. I was so excited when they yeah. said JVR. I'm like, this is it. Hextall made a move. You be Kai fucking yay. <laughs> and now he's back and he's like, can we get this cocksucker oh off God. the team, please? Yeah. Well, you know, because I think... when he... well, go, go ahead. It was just like when he took over the team, I remember I was ecstatic because I had had it with Holmgren like by the end. And like, you know, Dan, I've talked about this in hindsight that like we actually sorely misjudged Holmgren in the present because he gave us years of entertaining hockey. But like the last two years, like he was done, you know, he was throwing around fucking can like uh, fucking (laughs) contracts. Like it was no problem. Like, 40 million for you, 20 million for you. Here you go, Andrew McDonald, you know, but like 
the thing was is like when Hextall took over the team, like Dan said, like it had a good core. It's just that defense had to be completely overhauled. That's it. That's all you had to do. You had to get rid of two or three bad, shitty contracts. And then, like, you know, I remember the first trade he made is when he swapped Hartnell for Umberger. Oh, my God. And right away, away I was just like, okay, yeah, I get that you're trying to get rid of money here, but, like, is that what you had to do? Like, you just suck. You know, they also got Vorobiev in that trade. Oh Christ! Oh, oh, yay! <laughs> Is that the pick that they ended up using with that? Yep, that Fuck fourth round pick man. turned into Misha Robio. That makes it all worth it now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, see, they won the trade, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I almost would have rather have taken Hartnell for just draft picks over Umberger. Yeah, I feel Did like they, they buy out Umberger like the last year or two. Yeah, after oh, the first year because he was so fucking bad. I have a signed Umberger jersey over here. I don't. I have one too. <laughs> what the hell? Burn it. <laughs> but like, it was just like okay. But like, right after he took over, you know, Tiemann had the blood clot, and then they traded him. Hartnell was gone, and it was just like as soon as he showed up, and I get some things were out of his power, especially with the Tiemann thing. Like, he just sucked the life out of the team, and like, again, twenty fourteen fifteen was probably good in the NBA overall came and like the picks that they got from sucking so bad that year but like it's just going back to the Richards and Carter thing is that imagine if he would have taken over and Richards and Carter were still here like how fucking worse it would have been yeah like I don't know it was just a weird it was just a weird timing of it all that like Holmgren overhauled the comp- like he gave the organization a complete facelift, and then they had a regime change two years after the organizational facelift with a guy who wanted to go in a completely different 180 direction. But you had just loaded up on all these young forwards, like it, it made no sense. I mean, I'll give Hextall this he got us out of cap hell, and he also hired the cheaper, younger version of Mike Babcock, the guy we wanted to coach the team. What? Come again? <laughs> but, you know, Dave Haxtell was basically a younger, cheaper, more inexperienced version of Mike Babcock. They're essentially <laughs> the same coach. I want to fight Dave Haxtell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't want to fight um, Babcock? Uh, okay, well, no, well, Babcock, I'm Canadian, and he gave us three gold medals, so... Oh, I give him a bit of a free pass, but wait, do uh, Dan, do yes, you have sir. YouTube at your disposal right now? Yes, sir. Like, look up WWE Claymore kick. That's what I want to do to to Dave Haxtell. Claymore kick. Right. That that is my dream to do to Dave Haxtell. Have you checked Urban Dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I could I could see that. <laughs> but like and I remember like when they hired Dave Haxtell, I was just like, okay, whatever, they're hiring just a young coach. And I remember as soon as they hired him, I said, This guy won't be here when they're ready to contend. But even when they hired him, I like it was like they gave him like a ten million dollar contract or something fucked up. It was something insane, yeah. 
Yeah, that was a straight nepotism hire because uh, Hexy's son played for uh, North Dakota or whatever it was that uh, uh, Hack came from. And then they brought him in and he played with the fucking Phantoms, too. And Nick Luco, for yeah. Christ's sake. Peter yeah. Luco's son. Yeah, but well. In Hexy's defense, and Dan, you have this memorized verbatim, why can't you trade for a 35-year-old? I don't want to trade a prospect for a 35-year-old. <laughs> Fuck! Ron Hextall. <laughs> he ruined everything. And you still see people that say, Ugh, thanks for the capel, Chuck. Bring back Hexy. I'm just like, my lord. Yeah, it's there, like a cult. There are still people out there that uh, are convinced Ron Hextall was the savior. And it's like, dude. <sighs> <sighs> I feel like those are the same people that Talk stick into up the for, mic, Jim. For, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Those are the same people that still stick up for Gossip Spear because of his 65-point season, I bet you. Ah, for fuck. The JVR is going to score 30 goals this year, Daniel. Fuck. <laughs> what, what is that voice? <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, Jim, I'll, I'll ask you something because you brought up the Richards and Carter trades and all that. And, like, you know how they – they took Sean Couturier with the with the pick that they got for Jeff Carter, seventh, eighth overall, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Like in hindsight, because obviously Coots is amazing now and everything, but like think about the early years and what the Flyers needed back then before all these defensemen came up. Like, do you think it would have been better to take Dougie Hamilton over Couturier? Yeah. I don't know. I I mean this year. It's like the first year where Dougie Hamilton's like elite, I think. Um, he just got hurt tonight, by the way. Yes, he, really he did. Broke his that fucking leg. That was nasty leg. fall. Oh, that was gross. Yeah. yeah. His leg. I think I would rather have Coots, but I mean, it did. It took Couturier like five, five, six years to come around and, and put up 70 points. It took him a while. Like, I was kind of at the point where I'm like, should they trade Couturier? Is he going to be a bust or what? But Can you imagine I think... if they put him and. Uh, G together, you know, and a line in earlier. 14. Yeah. Damn. They would have won a cup on that alone. <laughs> well, fuck. He was riding, like, he had Matt Reed glued to his hip for what, four years straight? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Matt Reed, man. I hate that guy. I really hate that guy. <laughs> and he didn't even do anything wrong. I just. He had one good I, season and coasted on it for like a decade. And Homegirl fucking paid him. Didn't he give him a four year contract? Four years, it was big money too. It was only like four and a half or five million dollars. Something insane. Something stupid. I'm like, I gotta watch this asshole for four more fucking years because you scored twenty five goals or whatever the fuck. He convinced a team he could play with no knees. (laughs) I still remember after Hackstall's first year and they made the playoffs because they won like nineteen of the last twenty five games and they lost to Washington in the first round, but everyone was super optimistic because the team was young and young kids were showing up and all that. And then the summer came around and Hextall signed Dale Weiss and Boyd Gordon. <laughs> hey, Boyd Gordon scored the first goal of the season after that. Oh, yeah, it's true. I uh, I just bought a game-used Boyd Gordon jersey. Wow. Did it cost you? I'm as extra as can be, that's why. Why? How much was so that? So he could sell it in a year. Came with certs and everything. 175 yeah, I mean, I Holy shit, man. I mean, I, I guess that's how much the jersey costs, at least. 
I thought they were, you were going to tell me they paid you to fucking take the jersey. <laughs> Dan lost a bet. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, I guess you could sell the jersey and just say, hey, Boyd Gordon wore this. Notorious goal scorer Boyd Gordon wore this. Yeah, first goal of the 2015-16 uh, uh, season. Christ, man. I, I did not expect to hear Boyd, Boyd Gordon tonight. Or Matt Reed for that. But, like, Hextall just sucked every bit of life out of the team because I remember in 2015-16, like, Ryan White was actually, like, one of the engines of that team, and then he just <laughs> let him go for fucking Dale Weiss. He's a good soldier, is the exact quote Hextall used, and then he didn't resign him, even though White was willing to take a discount to stay here. It's like, dude! There was I the one Ryan shred Ryan. of light that was on this team for a little while, and he's like, nope, can't have any of this. Back to the dark ages. Here's Dale Weiss. Well, what happened is uh, Ryan White was sneaking wings and pizza into the locker room. <laughs> I was just going to say, no goddamn wings or pizza. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what it was. Oh, my Could you guys God. tell me about that? Because you guys live, like, obviously in the Philly area, but was he actually, like, Adolf Hitler, Hextall? There's been a lot that's of shit that's come out. That's what the story is. Yeah, since he's left, there's been a lot of shit that's come out that's like, he was horrible to the alumni teams and and he had no interest in helping and he was very stern with you know their diets and stuff a lot of that's come out since i don't know if any of it's true or how much of it's true or what the fuck's going on but it's like it totally fits in with the culture that he brought to the team boring and sadness so it's fucking no surprises <laughs> players were bored and sad anything like, anthony i don't know if you remember this but the first game they won after they fired hextall the team actually tweeted out the team eating pizza and wings <laughs> in the locker room. And then they got demolished seven to one the next day. <laughs> Hextall was right. God damn it. Promptly deleted. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't find this tweet anymore. Huh? Do you rem- I remember when they hired Chuck Fletcher and people had a meltdown because they literally like thought that it was Homegrim 2.0. And he traded Brent Burns and signed Zach Parise. It's over. The organization's done. I think that was pretty much exactly what we heard that day. <laughs> like I, I like I don't know why Homegrim gets such a bad rap. I have honestly, no like, idea. and, and went for it every year. In hindsight, yeah. he was great. Like, he made some bad moves, but he made the moves with the right intentions of trying to make something happen. You know, not everything can be a home run, and things like Andrew McDonald, which was flat out stupid, but God damn it, he wanted the team to win, you know? And here we have the fans still sucking fucking Hexel's dick because he brought in some prospects. Like, fuck off. I want to win. I don't care about prospects. And, I, and I've talked about this on both of our shows. You know, I think Fletcher is the guy that will not be afraid to make some changes when the time comes. And, and I really hope he is, because, fuck, I want some fun in my life again. I want to stop watching shitty Flyers hockey. I want to watch some good Flyers hockey. You know what would be entertaining? <laughs> Listen to him trying to trade uh, Voracek. Oh, God. Just to hear those phone calls. Well, you see, he takes shots every once in a while when he feels like it. So maybe if he trades to your team, he'll feel like shooting that night. Yeah. Or, or you know, Shane Bear, you know, he had 65 points two years ago. You could really hop in on this guy. What do you want to trade JVR? Oh, he's a net front guy. Just shoot a puck at his face and hope it. Oh no, the advanced stats speak for themselves when it comes to JVR. JVR, he may only have 14 on, goals on paper, but he has 40 theoretical goals, so you should take him. Like, I would assume that's how those conversations go. Yeah. Well, the, you know what? Like, the, you got it. You, 
kind of got a hope with Fletcher, right? Because he's pretty much in charge of the entire Flyers now. More or like, less, he, yeah. He got, he got named president. Like, the only guy above him is Dave Scott, who isn't even a hockey guy. I know people like to think that, of, you know, Dan, we talked about this how often in the summer, but people like to think that there's the Flyers Illuminati pulling the strings, <laughs> that, that Bobby Clark is the guy. <laughs> Clark and Holmgren are still here secretly pulling the strings, yeah. Frank's one of those guys. <laughs> he, he 100% is one of those guys. Oh, Holmgren's God. still the mastermind. Well, I, well I, Dan, remember that guy I kept fucking trashing all summer? Yeah. Uh, Brian Barr, where like I forget he's I forget what he said, but he they signed. Um, oh yeah, it was when they traded Gudis like uh, one for one for for Niskanen, and he said, "Here we go, Clarky's back in charge." And I said, <laughs> "So I'm just like, so you think that Bob Clark, who's in his seventies and lives in Florida, came out of the woodwork to pull the strings on a Matt Niskanen trade?" <laughs> God. You know, let, like, let's be re- real. We all thought that all the acquisitions in the offseason were meh at best, but there are four best players right now. Yep. I really liked, from the outset, I really liked the defensive acquisitions. Yes, Not go Yeah, I, I was and, a big, big fan of the Niskanen trade, especially. And the Braun one, I, I I didn't care about draft picks. I didn't know much about Jason Braun as a player, and I've been uh, thrilled with him thus far. But I, I a lot of people lost their shit because, oh, they traded draft picks, Daniel! But, uh, yeah, I was not concerned about that. Niskanen was a huge upgrade. I pissed off the analytic people because Gudis is a good defenseman. But he's a good fucking third-pair guy, whereas Niskanen's been your top guy pretty much all season outside of Provorov. But, yeah, the defenseman was there. I was not happy when they signed Kevin Hayes, but now he's my favorite flyer pretty much of all time with the exception of Sam Moran, so... I've turned on him as Niskan, well. Yeah. The thing with the Niskanen trade is he's more expensive than Gudis, and we retain Gudis' salary. That's what annoyed me and a lot of other people. But you know what? Kind of worth it. Oh, it's absolutely worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's like, well, you traded a first-pairing defenseman one for one for a third-pairing defenseman. Obviously, you had to give something else back. Like, Yeah, that's true. I need a call <laughs> And it's also because, like, a lot of teams were in on Niskanen, but, and a lot of teams were in on Braun, but I, like, the Hayes thing, I was kind of underwhelmed with, but at the same time, who else were you going to get? Yeah, he was the, he was the best 2C on the market. You know, you, you weren't going to get Mark Stone anymore. That, that pretty much ended itself at the deadline. And Hayes has been a better pickup than Matt Duchesne would have been at this point, so. <laughs> Matt Duchesne. Yeah, and, like, I know a lot of people were, like, crying about Kadri, but I'm just like, well, fuck, the the Avalanche gave up Barry and Kerfoot for him. Oh, my so God, would, I would have loved Kadri over here, dude. Yeah, but, like, would you give up, let's say, Sanheim and Limblom for Kadri? No. Exactly, oh, like, no. it's... And to be honest, like, fuck, I don't even know, man, with this team anymore. Like, I was as optimistic as you could be up until even just Christmas time. But, like, because, like, Dan and I have talked about it so much where, like, they're just missing their top guys to be their top guys. But now we're, like, almost three-quarters through the season, and I'm just kind of deflated and giving up hope on that. Yeah. Yeah, I brought that shit up in, like, the first ten games of the year, and I was getting shit on. 
oh, you get it's ten games into the season. You know, it's a long year. I'm like, okay, well, how about let's not wait ten, fifteen, twenty games for them to fucking get going? How about that? And now yeah. we're what forty seven, forty eight games 48. in. It's the same shit. Yeah, I mean, I, Voracek's <laughs> kind of gotten his shit together offensively a little bit, but JVR and and G are almost non-existent. Yeah, bitch about it at the time. The it's only ten games, Daniel. It's only it's only I October, Daniel, and, and here we are in the middle of January, forty-eight games in, and it's the same shit we've been bitching about all season. So, yeah, dude, and you know what? It's like a microcosm because they don't show up for fucking first periods of games, just like they didn't. They don't show up for the first uh, for the first ten, fifteen games of the season. Like this team has a fucking problem, and it's kind of been that way. Giroux's whole career here. They have a problem starting games. I'm not blaming Giroux. It's just been that way ever since he's been here. They can't fucking play a game from start to finish. And when they do it, it's it's rare, but it's like, oh my God, why can't they do this every night? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's there's so many there's so many frustrations and it all stems from fucking inconsistencies. You just want to see 110 100% effort every night. Uh, I mean, Anthony Sanfilippo made an excellent point during the during his intermission show today. You know, they're probably trying to conserve energy for the third period. I mean, realistically, no team in the NHL puts an effort in every every single minute of every single game, or else there wouldn't be a fourth line. So they're, they're trying to be up and ready to go by the time the, you know the last ten minutes of the game shows up, and the, really the numbers shows that that actually works out for them more often than not. It just happens to be tonight. They completely shit the bed in the last 10 minutes of the game and didn't get a single shot. They wouldn't have to fight so hard in the third if they weren't down 3-1 you know, when there's 10 minutes left. Well, hey, that, that's part of it. Real quick here, I just watched a little bit of a Drew interview um, after tonight's game. Something about it's tough to get up for a game like tonight after playing in an emotional game like they played in last night. Oh, fuck off. That's like, trash. Dude, that's your that's your fucking captain saying shit like that, dude. <laughs> that that's true. a fucking you know what that is, dude. That's an excuse. Yeah. That's a fucking excuse. Like that game, I know it's against a better team, but it's it's no different than it is tonight. It's a fucking game you gotta win. I don't want to hear that stuff. I mean, look, well, if, me... if I walked out of my job and said, you know what, it's really a really tough day. It's really hard to get yeah. up. Try to put an effort in after the emotion they had yesterday. You know, if I had said that, my boss is firing me. That's a good point. I had a rough day yesterday. I can't make it in today, boys. Sorry, I'm going to be at 25%. Yeah. Daniel, you're yeah. fired. All right. I, like, part of me likes the honesty. But also part of me is like, dude. That's super concerning at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> Do me a favor. But... Don't, don't admit shit like that, please. Please don't admit that because it only makes me not like you. Just tell me you tried you to get should Pucks be fueled by the Martian flow yeah. days ago. That was amazing, and they should be riding that to the end of the season. Wait, what was that? I didn't hear the first part. Uh, the Martian flub when he uh, uh, like yeah, he grazed did. the puck or whatever <laughs> that was. Well, let me ask you guys something because Dan, we were talking what it seems like an eternity ago now, but like remember we were saying like this team isn't that far off from being legit. Yeah, that was our mantra before Christmas. We were both bought in at that point. Yeah, but it's like imagine let's say JVR already had twenty goals and was on pace for thirty-five goals and fifty-five points, and Giroux's on pace for eighty to eighty-five, and Voracek was just even doing his thing. Like, and this team had, like, three, four more wins. Like, it isn't, like, that many pieces away, but it's, like, 
the small amount of pieces they are away are just such massive pieces. Yeah, and and you look at the standings. They're tied. They're on the outside looking at the playoffs, but technically tied with Caroline and Columbus with 56 points. A couple extra good games from Giroux and Voracek and JVR. That's the difference between a playoff spot and, you know, on the outside looking in at this point. And there's, like I've said all season, the foundation is here. But the things that they're missing are just fucking impossible to build on the fly. It's not like, oh, well, you know, they're missing a third-line winger. Let's go get Tyler Toffoli at the deadline, and that's it. It's, goddamn, they're missing two legit top stars, and none of their top prospects are legitimate stars yet. And, goddamn, they're missing only a few pieces because the team is relatively complete, especially in this win-by-committee attitude. But the pieces they're missing, you know, JVR, who's essentially your second-line winger, theoretically, (laughs) is useless. And Jake Voracek doesn't show up every night. And Drew is a step behind for whatever reason. And, you know, you're relying on essentially Travis Connecting to carry the offensive load of the entire team. And he's done a fairly decent job of that. But one player can't do it all. And sure, they lost Lindblom and, and Nolan Patrick may never come back at this point And, like... But that's not an excuse. Anthony and I were in a conversation with somebody over the weekend uh, on Twitter, and he said, like, oh, you know, well, they have to understand that they lost Lindblom and Patrick, and when they start next season, hopefully they'll both be back and they can try again. And I'm like, that's such a fucking cop-out. You know, oh, well, we're down two players. Throw in the fucking towel. And, you know, those two players are relatively important. And I'm sure it sucks, you know, the morale-wise, especially with Lindblom. You know, when the P- Pittsburgh Penguins, perfect example, how long were they were without Crosby and Malkin this season? And they're still winning games. Losing players is not an acceptable answer for sucking. You just got to get out there. Go Boston Bruins, Chicago Blackhawks, they've all done it. And they've all won cups because they just are deep and they keep going. And they're not afraid to make moves. You know, and that's what it comes down to is this is a rotten Flyers core. Shit needs to change. And I don't think it's going to happen at the deadline because it just can't happen. Moves need to be in the offseason. Their top guys can't get it done. It's the fucking biggest problem. What else is there to change? Yeah. You've I changed mean, here's the a coaching thing. in the front office. You brought in other players in Hayes, Braun, Niskin. And they're all great. Those are the three best players on the team. You changed the fucking mm. coaches. You got them all here. What more is there besides changing the fucking players that have been here for a fucking decade? Ah! <laughs> but yeah, here's the thing. Oscar Lindblom's been out since, what, the beginning of December? He's still <sighs> in the top 10 in terms of goals scored with 11 goals. You know, it's not like he had 40 goals when he got, you know, um, when he found out he had cancer. And Most of the players out. just passed him within the past couple weeks. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's really, sixth place. That, that's insane. You know what? I need a drink. Go ahead, Ann, because I was kind of going to take a different direction a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just to kind of sum up Dan's rant that almost gave him a heart attack. But, like, <laughs> it seems like. Like it when he was ranting there, like I actually made sense of it, and <laughs> but like it was almost like the Toronto Maple Leafs when they kept trying with the Phil Kessel years and the Dion Phaneuf years, and they just kept trying to like strap band aids on it, and then eventually the team and the organization had to be like, we just have to scorch this thing to the fucking bottom keep a few young players like Kadri and Bozak who are gone now, but, and Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner and all that. 
And then the new core has to be built from the ground up. And I'm starting to think that's what maybe has to happen. So what you're saying, because JVR is there as well, that's all his fault! <laughs> Bad karma! <laughs> I mean, if we look at this real quick, because we're saying that, you know, they... So I got two things here. So we're saying that they, they could be, you know, a couple pieces away, two pieces away. I mean... I don't really look as Nolan Pat look at Nolan Patrick as part of this team this year. I don't look at it as they lost him because they never really had him for this year. Um, yeah. Oscar Lindblom, you could say that they you know they lost him, and I know he was a fourth round pick, but he was arguably you know top, maybe besides Coots, one of the better they top two way forwards on the teams, right? Dearly miss Oscar Lindblom. Absolutely. I think it's hard to overstate how much of a loss he was for the team on the ice. Dude, he was. Uh, Top six winger. Your top two-way guy, was... not named Sean Couturier. He was in the middle of an offensive breakout year. He and Konechny were the only two that were scoring there for quite a while. You know, yeah, he was yeah. leading the team when, when uh, he went on uh, IR. Yeah. They had great chemistry, man. Awesome chemistry. And then, you know, imagine – because I thought Patrick was going to have a solid year playing for a guy like Elaine Vigneault. I kind of think Patrick has a little bit of Travis Konechny in him. You know, and I think a guy like uh, Elaine Vigneault would – kind of uh, bring that out a little bit more than a Dave Haxtall would have. And I, I think a Pat, I think Nolan Patrick would have enjoyed playing uh, for Elaine Vigneault. I say it like he's never going to play for him because he still could. But, you know, I really, really wanted to see Nolan Patrick play for Vigneault, maybe that third line, see what happens, maybe moves up to the second line, whatever. But, you know, if we're talking two pieces, for this team – those are two pretty big pieces that are missing, and I know I know Patrick hasn't done much in his first two seasons. He showed glimpses of of what he could potentially be, you know, second overall pick was supposedly the best player in that draft, whatever. I don't know. I really would have liked to see those two guys play this play under Elaine Vigneault this year. Um, it's a shame, but I'm looking at it as they might have to make moves, like they have to move on. And I don't mean I don't mean to sound like a dick when I say that because But you have to. I mean, there's a legitimate chance neither one of those two will play ever again. Correct. And, I, and I'm not looking at it as a like a negative thing because I I believe Nolan uh, I believe Oscar Lindblom will, you know, beat cancer. I believe he'll be healthy enough to play again. But if you're the Flyers, from a business standpoint, you have to assume that they are not coming back. Yep, and if he does come back, it's a bonus. Exactly. Now, now exactly. you have a, an extra guy. Yeah. You have to cover your ass. Nolan Patrick, I mean, I we hear what we hear. Nobody really knows. You know, I, I have an opinion on it, but, I, you know, I won't say it again. Um, I just don't want to take shit for it because it's just something that I'm assuming. I don't know if he's ever going to play for the Flyers again. I think he – I just don't think he's ever going to play for the Flyers. I think he's done. Here's my, my read on, on the Nolan Patrick situation. I think they're going to – keeps him on the sidelines until they figure out whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. And when they make that figuring, they're going to uh, kick him into gear. Going to say, all right, let's, let's try, let's try getting your contacts uh, cleared. Let's send you down the phantoms, get the conditioning stint done and get you ready. So you're as close to hundred percent as possible when the playoffs roll around. But if the, the Flyers don't make the playoffs, just let him coast the rest of the season, do what he's got to do and reset again in the off season. I think that's what needs to happen with him. I think he needs to – he's basically taken the year off. Like, he's taken – like, he's got to get his shit together mentally. I mean, if he's got headaches, he's got to get that figured out. 
he's got mental things going on. He's got to get it figured out. If he's depressed, he's got to get that shit figured out. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Patrick's concussions. Mulligan, Mulligan. Here's the, they, uh, Chuck Fletcher said that he does expect Patrick to play this year, but there's no timetable for his return. They have, what, 34 games left and there's no timetable? That mathematically, that doesn't seem to work out very well, considering they still don't know much. So, I, I don't think he's playing again this year. Yeah, like, I don't know like if he's I'm playing saying, ever. It, it's, it's the excuse to let him sit out the rest of the season. The Flyers aren't playoff bound, but it also gives them gives them an avenue to bring them back if they're playoff bound. Oh boy, uh, we went way longer what, than I was expecting to. <laughs> when when I say that, like they're not that far off, but the pieces are big, is like, well, like I talked about it with Dan, like if you look at like the bottom six of the Bruins, they're not that much better than the Flyers, but their top three guys carry them through it. So it's just like, imagine the same exact Flyers team, but instead of Giroux, Voracek, and JVR, you have Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak. Yeah, as like, long as the puck isn't still, you're good. <laughs> but like in all seriousness like how fucking good would this flyers team be if you just swapped out those three players they they're missing a pasternak i mean marchand is good in his own right but i i think having a guy like pasternak on that line just makes them all the much better they're missing that kind of a guy that superstar guy they're they missing, don't grow on they're trees I mean, if you, if you put a Pasternak with Coots and a Giroux, Coots and Giroux are putting up 10, 15 more points than, than they, uh, you know, whatever we expect. Now, for example, Coots is a 90-point guy playing with a Pasternak, at least I think. No, I agree uh, 100% because he's burying all those chances that JVR is just flubbing off his foot into the corner. Thank you, dude. I was going to bring that up because for Giroux, I know we're busting his balls a little bit, but... Playing with fucking JVR doesn't help. You know, it doesn't help your fucking assist totals. The dude, the guy just can't put the fucking puck in the net. I don't know how you could stick up for JVR. Damn, but we he's said got on the show. Goals. I don't know. We said on the show earlier in the week, he's only scored in eight games all season long. I know he's got 12 goals. He's only scored in eight games of what are they, what are they play now? 47? 48. 48 games? He's only scored in eight games. He's making seven fucking million dollars. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, I I actually like this guy, so I don't want to rag on him too much. But could we just acknowledge how brutal Scott Lawton is on breakaways? <laughs> oh yeah, he shot it from behind the net is when he got his shot. Off. <laughs> and I like that Carey Price. I like that Carey Price was square to him still and just stoned him from behind the net. Didn't even flinch. He just wrote him out. It, it was fantastic. I was just like. And like just like patted it. <laughs> I mean, from the minute he got the puck, you could tell he was confused. He was like, "Oh shit, how do I beat Carey Price? <laughs> yeah. Who do I pass this to? This isn't gonna end well." Yeah, shit. Well, he—he's one of those guys where like I love Lawton, but like how fucking ugly is that third line? JVR Lawton and Abe Kubel. Like I love Abe yeah, Kubel, but the bottom six is Lawton... a fucking disaster right now. Lawton and JVR are two guys that just by saying their names, you know that it's not going to mesh. No way. They should not be on the same yeah. line. Yet. When, when the guy who's only been in the league for a week is the best guy on the line. <laughs> yeah. Problems. Albe Kubel's but, kind of been a bright spot. He could stick around on the fourth line next year. If yeah. They, if they I, resign I, him. Oh, shit. He's free. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably well, resign for cheap. They need guys like that. I'd take him over pretty much anybody else at this point on the fourth line. 
just as an energy guy. Because he's the only person that gives a shit more often than not. I've also liked Bunneman and Pitlick as of late. Bunneman's this call-up, I noticed him a lot tonight. Like, he only played like six minutes, but this call-up went a lot better than the first one. And he was getting hot with the Phantoms mm-hmm. when they called him up. So maybe there's something there this time around. Yeah, an assist, baby. Two points in two games. Oh, yeah, no, no, I didn't score last night. <laughs> what do you guys think of Pitlick? He's, He's looked all right. Fine. You know what? I thought he'd be a drag to and whatever, but there are times where he looks like he belongs on the top top uh, six. I don't want him on the top six, but there there are times when you think, he wow, he some could flashy goals. Yeah. Yeah. He's a player. Yeah, he's a player. Yeah. He could be, he's on the roster. Yeah, I'm yeah. cool with <laughs> and, and, and he, he makes some some pretty good neutral zone plays that I that I'm a fan of. They could do a lot worse than Tyler Pitlick, I, yeah. I think. For sure, he, I think he's a better option than Ryan White would have been, or Ryan uh, Hartman would have been. <laughs> yeah, and, and Ryan White maybe. And Ryan White. Well, yeah, Ryan so. White right now. <laughs> he's still playing. I I don't think so. Oh man, there's a White that plays for the Senators. Who is it? Colin. Colin White. Colin White, that's it, yeah. Who was yeah. Ryan White, HIV AIDS Bureau? What the fuck? Something, <laughs> something tells me this is the wrong Ryan White. <laughs> Flyers. Uh, oh, yeah, it was. All right. Let's see. He's, actually, uh... I, I've asked Dan this question. I think I asked him, like, this past week on Flyers AD, but uh, I'll just ask you guys, too. If you could right now, one for one, trade JVR for Simmons, would you? The answer is yes. Wow. What, uh, so, I, so, I mean, you take the, con- the contracts as is, like, which means that Simmons is a UFA. You get JVR's cap space at the end of the year, but it's just one for one JVR for Simmons. You do you, it? Yes, yes, I would. Considering that Simmons is off the books in July, and he's also two million lower. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think. I'll play devil's advocate. I don't think I would do it because I think that you can maybe get a little bit more for JVR. If you keep JVR, well, you're just going to fucking lose him to Seattle. I'm still hoping that, that uh, Pete that Shirelli comes in New Jersey and we can <laughs> convince him that Ghost is worth a trade for uh, Jack Hughes. There you go. <laughs> Ryan oh, White oh with God. the Manitoba Moose, by the way. I feel like for for JVR and and a team like the Coyotes wouldn't have been would have been a, an example like how they traded for Phil Kessel, and uh, and then they went out and got Taylor Hall like they're a team that you know, they're going to play a certain way, but let's go out and get a guy that can maybe put the puck in the net on a power play even though he's making six seven million dollars you know what I mean, and I yeah. haven't really I haven't really looked at the rosters that that uh, much to see if there's any more teams out there like that that could use a a guy, what's he signed for? Three or three or four more years, JVR? Three years? Three. Yeah, yeah, that's seven. So if, after this season, it'll be, it's three, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're, you're right, Jim, in the sense that like I fully expect that like JVR, if he goes to another team and let's say he played online with let's say Bergeron and Pasternak, like that kind of fit, he probably scores thirty goals. Yeah. Did if if were... if Giroux was playing center and had his shit together. And and I still think a lot of this is on JVR, but I don't think Giroux has been peak Giroux either. I, I think, and I'm not saying I want Giroux at center, but I think JVR needs a guy like Giroux to produce. He needs to play with a guy like Giroux to produce. Yeah. And he's he doesn't have that guy on this fucking roster. And that's where my frustration comes. Because, damn, remember we used to say there's just a lot of pieces on this team 
nothing to really stir it all together. Yep. And, and Kevin Hayes kind of stirs it together a little bit, but he's not the guy that's going to put him over the top as, as in terms of scoring. Yeah. And if you, you know, add, just, if you added, like you said, if you added a Pasternak to this team, you know, uh, they, these players would be better. And JVR, and it's the same reason why people don't want to trade Shane Gosses, where they go, well, Daniel, he's going to be, he's going to hit 65 points somewhere else. Well, he's not doing it here. Right. You know, sure, if he goes somewhere, if you put him on a line, send him out to San Jose and he plays with Eric Carlson, I'm sure he'll rack up some points. But he's not going to do it here because who the fuck he's going to score from? Phil Myers, who can't even play defense right now? You know, fuck Oh, God. But, uh, <laughs> dude, he's been terrible. Dude. Don't say that on Twitter. Stay on your fucking, fucking skates. Ugh. Are we going to do a two-hour show? I mean, we're almost halfway there, so <laughs> <laughs> hour 36 in. It's actually a lot of fun, too. <laughs> uh, can we just acknowledge for a second how early in the season when Frost and Farabee and Myers first showed up, the most vocal person on Twitter was Dan Silver, and since they fucking torpedoed, you rarely see him anymore? Yeah, he's been pretty silent in that sense. Well, you guys had him on that show where he went head-to-head with Bobby Thomas and, like... Caved immediately, the- yeah. Yeah, though, because, like, all three of you guys were, like, screaming at him, just like, you're a fucking chooch, and, like, <laughs> and I, I actually, like, got into it with him uh, several times, now we're okay, but over the DMs, because I don't know if you guys remember when they tried to fucking paint me as some devil because of the Limblon thing. You're painting you as, uh, painting somebody else as a devil? I can't believe that! <laughs> That is slender, sir. The hey, bastards! What happened with the Limblom thing? I, I was unaware of this. He's heartless, you see. <laughs> uh, it was like, it was basically like the day of when they announced it or the day after, I basically said that in light of the Limblom news, they should do everything they can to get Taylor Hall. And was like, too Dan, soon? It was too soon. Yeah, yeah. like every, and everyone was. I saw a lot of like, going. I'm in tears and I'm I'm dismantled and like I'm sh- like listen I was at a Christmas party when I found out and that sucked you know but it's like I'm just gonna put a little more rum in my eggnog and I'm gonna move on because <laughs> rum like, in my eggnog <laughs> like, it's sad you know what he always does I don't know the guy I didn't even yeah. know you liked eggnog I love eggnog you would with lots actually of I like eggnog that too. made me a little <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I love when people That's quote my shit. That's because you're a just, publicity uh, whore, Jim, and any publicity is good publicity. Exactly. <laughs> somebody it's said true, my though. name, guys. If somebody disagrees with what I said that much to where they quote tweeted it, that's a good thing. Because there's going to be people that agree with me out there, too. See, nobody, they nobody, to nobody quote they tweets the me. They just subtweet me all the time. Yeah, yeah, just, just retweet me so that I can respond. You know, don't don't hide in the shadows. I don't even know what the difference is to tell you the truth. Between what? I mean, the, the only Which key is difference a is that and a subtweet. Subtweet is, is when, when you... you tweet about them without mentioning them. Be like, oh, this bald asshole I work with on the radio, he he sucks. <laughs> Whereas, in other words, I would quote you tweeting, "Angry Jim is a bald asshole and I work with, and he sucks." So, it's just whether you tag them or not. Well, uh, in a quoted in a quoted t- tweet, it, it's almost like a re- retweet, but you don't get uh, notifications <laughs> for comments or likes or anything, so you don't know what other people are saying unless you're you obsessively checking. You do get checking. the notification that you that you one of your tweets was retweeted, though, right? Yeah, you just get oh, um, so and so quoted you. 
and that's it. That's it. Twitter what, lessons. What was the thing that got it started with Bobby and Dan? Because I remember it was like something stupid. I don't even remember what it was. Because I remember like the show open and I thought it was gonna be like this big powwow and like right off the bat Dan Silver's just like I'm sorry, I didn't mean to He did that to. before we even got on the air. It was like oh, really? he immediately backed down. It's like, huh, oh, can't imagine why. He's a fucking bully. He's gonna say his shit, but the second you call him out he's a fucking bitch. Well, it, it's like he's it's gonna, not even it's not even so much that I think that his his uh, his tastes are asinine, which I do think ninety percent of the time they're asinine. But it's like if you disagree that Prospect X is full of shit, it's fucking blasphemy. Like, don't question Morgan Frost not being Claude Giroux Jr. is gonna take offense to it. Anybody? When was that episode? That had to be what November? Yeah, that was way back now. It feels it was, like forever ago. I think it was right after. Uh... Oh, hang on. <laughs> I feel like it was when the season started. October 25th, yeah. That was that episode. Well, like, it, it was something I remember he said, and, like, you, both of you guys, it wasn't even Bobby, but Jim and Dan, but, like, you both got on his case because he said, like, oh, well, I'm just happy that the Flyers recognized their mistakes by sending down Myers and Farabee. Boy, they've gone at it quite a few times based on these Twitter history here. <laughs> Man. Flyers. Isn't technology great? Oh, yeah, looking Dan, up history on here is fantastic. Dan loves the drama. Oh, yeah, I love it. You're a drama whore. Right, I <laughs> put out 5,000-word articles thoroughly describing a legitimate incident that happened. I don't take it any seriously whatsoever. Yeah. Jim, didn't someone try and get in with it with you, like, yesterday or something? Like, trying to call you out for a disease or some shit? Oh, my God, yeah, some fucking whack job, yeah. Because uh, I commented on a, a, Marsh, a Marchand, uh, uh, you know how he, he did that tweet with the cup? Yeah. Yeah, I commented on that, and I don't know, I'm not sure why that dude was getting all crazy. Because I guess because I have, I have, I put I have Crohn's disease in my Twitter profile, so like if anybody, you know, wants to DM me and talk about it or whatever, they can. And I guess he saw that and was trying to use it as insults or whatever, so I'm like... Oh, you know what, Jim? Let me, let me tell you something. That guy is just a straight up troll. Uh, I saw, <laughs> yeah, I saw your comments, and actually a couple weeks ago, when uh, the the U.S. women's and Canadian women were playing for like juniors or something, went to overtime. U.S. women's got a two on zero and won the game. I made a joke about like how how funny it is that Canada lost in that matter or something like that, and he and he just went straight up like, oh, it's just women. Who gives a shit and stuff, and got his ass lit up by Twitter. And was still holding on to the I'm the cool guy who's gonna make fun of women. Like, yeah, I kind of. I mean, I was kind of egging him on. I'm like, dude, keep going. Like, I think it's because I was getting a kick out of it. I was at the gym laughing my ass off. I'm like, oh, okay. And it really didn't even bother me when he was talking shit on Crohn's disease. But it, then it kind of did bother me when he was talking about Limblom. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you can say whatever you want about me, but don't say nothing about the Flyers, fucker. <laughs> and you know what the funniest fucking thing is? He's from fucking San Jose. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's just a straight up troll. I'm like this fucking guy. Yeah, but wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Back that shit up. Did <laughs> you just make fun of Canada losing in a hockey game? <laughs> <laughs> he made fun of the women though, so it doesn't count. No, I made fun of the Canadian women giving up a two on O in overtime. Who does that? 
Honestly, like, I don't know insane. I don't know how it is for you guys, but, like, in every single Olympics, they try and build it up, and they're just like, Canada, USA, gold medal. And I'm just like, no other women on the planet play hockey. Like, <laughs> obviously, it's Canada, USA. Yeah. Finland's getting like, there. Finland will be there in the next few years. This Bobby Thomas Dan Sower thing may have started over Sam Moran. <laughs> can't find the tweet, but everything around that time was arguing about Sam Moran. Wow, yeah, because well, Dan, well, Dan, you said it that like they want prospects, but it has to be has, a certain oh, brand. Like when everybody lost their shit when Torinsky and Bunneman made the team instead of Frost and Faraby. Oh my god! Oh my god! Frost and Faraby—they're the future. Like we all want prospects, but not these prospects. Fucking idiots! What is this? Yeah, I, I write. Let's bring for... in these two guys that have no professional experience. I write for a regional online sports team social media that panders to dopes who love to pound the hard button. I think it's cool to trash young players who have been affected by poor coaching management. And my opinion is worth its own weight and shit. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'd love this guy. I don't even know who this is. Some guy responded to Bobby's tweet about Dan. That's fantastic. This is my new favorite tweet. Of all. How did I, we I like go two hours tonight? I don't know. We thought we covered fucking everything, though. That's for damn sure. From 2010 on, essentially. <laughs> like to... We also spent 15 minutes uh... defining Mulligan. Well, that's... <laughs> that was the important well... part of this whole episode. Yes. I learned something today. That's its own separate episode. I actually have another uh, Urban Dictionary word here. Did we look up Claymore for some reason? <laughs> there was a. Uh, Anthony wanted to do that to Dave Axel. What was it called? A Claymore kick? Yeah. Jim's so an insider much... now. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you were spilling all kinds of hot takes in the last episode about Nolan Patrick. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, none of that was bullshit, by the way. I, I heard all that stuff from legit people. I'm not sure uh, if I was supposed to say it or not, but I did. No. What I kind of plug, was... Jim? What kind of plug you grabbing? Your butt plug? Um... A laptop plug. Oh. Sorry to I disappoint. I was going to be like, we're getting towards midnight. It's fun hour here. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint, everyone. Yeah, I'm getting a laptop plug. I'm on 2%. That would have fucking done uh, some views. Continue. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm, like, for me, like, I am in no way, shape, or form an insider, but I just know a lot of guys who are those. I, like, I, I know a lot of guys who are insiders. So that's where, like, I get a lot of, like, the rubs from. But you also write yeah, for like... a nationally acclaimed site, too. Well, Jim, remember when I almost got, like, killed on Twitter over the summer because of the fucking Gossespeer rumor I put out? Jim is getting his butt plug. <laughs> okay, or Dan. But yeah, do so I, I do remember that, because we did a show right after, because you had to defend yourself. And, like, I remember just saying, just, like, dude, all I said is that these teams talked. Like, why is this so hard for everyone to believe? Because Gostas bears worth something. Because they had 65 oh, points yeah. two years ago. Where the uh, fuck is oh. Jim's butt plug? Did he go to the sex store and get one? Jim! Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he went to the bathroom and just didn't, didn't want the uh, noise carrying over. Oh, I mean, people pee on this show all the time, so what does it matter? <laughs> I'm back. Desperate can you, watch can you stop saying pandering? I never heard that word so much in my That's life. That's what he tonight. fucking does! <laughs> <laughs> 
I had to yeah. make. I had to look up the definition of that word just oh, to make sure Christ I knew what it meant. For sake, Jim. <laughs> because I've never heard it so much in one day before. Pander. Well, what the hell is that? What does it mean on Urban Dictionary? That's the important question. Jim, you know why what? do you keep moving like that? Are you putting your butt plug in? You're like, ooh. <laughs> uh, you know what I was doing? Now? You don't really notice how bad your farts smell until you walk out of a room and then walk back in. <laughs> what? Stink, stinks in here. What the fuck? The show is Dude, so far off the rails. Dude, I swear, <laughs> I, I thought my girlfriend was going to leave me tonight because I couldn't stop farting. Like, I... <laughs> like she literally stormed off to bed, and I, like, or and I heard a suitcase come out. <laughs> we should have opened up with this. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, that's how you know it's fucking bad, and you know it wasn't the first time you've done this either. <laughs> oh. She's had it. It's getting towards the end with the fuck. <laughs> oh, what the fuck is going uh, on? <sighs> Gonna have to do some editing on this one, I think, for the first time in a while. <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah. Name dropped one too many people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was really hoping that you were going to do it. I'm officially here. Okay, everybody, it's been a fucking long-ass night. Two hours in, midnight, and we're supposed to talk about the game, and then we talked about everybody on Twitter. But all right, that's fine. Uh, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pot, at Angry Negative. Be sure to subscribe on all the new platforms so you do not miss an episode. Please. I know I, I know what you missed, and, and you people don't have the fucking brain power to move on from one site to another. I'm fully aware of that, Flyers Twitter, okay? You're a bunch of dumb fucks, but please just hit that subscribe button as we continue to make our move. If we're not up on a uh, your preferred platform, let me know. I will work on that as soon as possible. Jim, where the hell are you on Twitter? At AngryJimHW, and uh, give our podcast a follow at HW underscore radio underscore. Topher. I am at Gritty's underscore backup. And Anthony. A DeMarco 25. All right, everybody. That's it for tonight. Uh, we'll be back uh, Monday, I believe, with an OMB podcast. And uh, Jim and I will be back on Tuesday with the Anger Negative Shell. I'll be back on Wednesday as the new Brotherly Pod debuts with Shane Mead as co-host. And uh, Jim and I will be back on Thursday night with uh, Nick Costa to have a half-season review, the uh, second half preview, so be sure to check that out. More episodes to come. Best of the Anger Negative Show, Season 2, Part 1, will be up on the 27th. We have an hour of material already for that one, so we're breaking up into two parts. I'll put the first one out now, so that'll be up later. Obviously, we'll promote that last week. But um, till then, everybody, uh, goodbye and good night.